You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Hello and welcome to Critical Mass Business Talk Show, Orange County's longest running business talk show. And boy, do we have a good show planned for you to Paul Nelson is the managing partner of Nelson Kirkman. And he is our guest today on the program. Paul, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me and good morning, Rick. Good morning. Let's start right out of the gate. You're an entrepreneur. We're going to talk about your business, your law practice. But first, tell me, why did you choose to start your own firm after you graduated from law school versus the conventional route, I think, which is going to work for an established law firm? You know, maybe a little bit of insanity, but, uh, but, you know, I I guess I always have thought that... um, I could just do it. Okay. That's, that's really what it is, is I, I didn't really ever want to, to work for anybody. That was never my plan going to law school. Um, I learned back in college when I did a year of ROTC that I didn't take directions from people very well because I thought I had a better way to do it. And I still do. I still think I have a better way to do, uh, to, to, to do things or to figure out a better way to do them. And that's really why I decided that I'm just going to hang my shingle up and uh, go after it myself. So so let's go back to the time when you were deliberating doing that. Did you seek the counsel of other people or did people who heard what you were going to do try to give you advice? I would think that the common wisdom around you might have been, Paul, that's not what we do here. That's not the path that most people do. <laughs> you know, I, I, I sought advice and I also got advice that I did not seek, okay, which is kind of interesting. Uh, but yes, uh, I, some people, I think the reactions were, well, good for you. Good luck. And other people said, uh, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. Um, so, you know, it ran the gamut, but I did, I talked to, to law professors. I talked to, uh, people that I knew, uh, you know, attorneys who had experience and really, I, I can't think of anybody else off the top of my head that has done what I did and just said, I'm just going to go out. And I'm going to put my shingle up there, and that's what I'm going to do. Uh, they may be out there, but I just haven't met them. So, so when did you, after starting your law practice, when did you truly believe that one, you probably made the right choice, and two, this practice was going to survive and thrive? You know, interest. Luckily, or interestingly enough, it really took about six to eight months before. I knew it was going to survive. During that time frame, I actually, in fact, during law school, I mean, I was a busy guy during law school. I was remodeling a house. I had a baby, a little baby. Uh, I had a full-time job, a sales job. And I was doing that and going to law school at night. So it took me four years of going to law school full-time. And when I graduated from law school, took the bar, I continued to work that job and started to practice law for about six months until I had, I'll use the term critical mass. And, uh, <laughs> and I realized that I can quit my other job. There's a, there's enough business there uh, to go ahead and continue on and become a full-time attorney. So that's when I knew that it was, it was going to work at least at that point. And that's why I've been excited to have you on the show because I, 
I interview entrepreneurs mostly here in Orange County, and I love the entrepreneurial journey. And sometimes people might look at people in your profession, the legal profession, not as entrepreneurs, but as practicing, you know, attorneys and you go to law school and then your life is gilded and all the rest of that stuff. But I really was fascinated when I heard your story. So I got to get Paul on the show because your bootstrap story could be doing anything. I mean, really, it doesn't have to be practicing law in the discipline that you're in, which we're going to talk about in a minute. But it's the story of many entrepreneurs who worked doubly hard to get the business off the ground. Because I think in business, that's the hardest thing to do is to create a new business out of nothing. So congratulations. Well, thank you. Uh, you know, that's that's kind of always been... I have a I have a new business idea. I keep a running list of business ideas because, um, you know, a lot of it's in real estate and so forth. But, you know, ever since I was a kid, uh, my, my parents said, you want to if you want money for the movies, you want money for gas, you go make it. I have a very large family. I'm one of nine uh, children. So they didn't have a lot of money to just throw it around. So I had to kind of be entrepreneurial from the time I was in sixth grade. And, uh, you know, during uh, during college, I actually started a roofing business, knew nothing about it. And I did a roofing business for about a year and a half. And, um, uh, you know, it's, it's just kind of I guess it's just kind of in my blood. It's it's one of those things where I look I really don't think it can't happen. And uh -huh. sometimes that's not good. But in this instance, it is. Yes, because you've been successfully practicing law for over 17 years. And a I'm curious. Back, a little long. I, I would be a little bit younger. <laughs> How long have you been? Twenty-two oh, years. Okay. Like Sorry. Twenty-three. Right. That's okay. Twenty plus years. You know, was there like that? Was there a time when you felt the firm might be at risk? You know, uh, the most recent time is when COVID hit. I got to tell you, uh, I, I freaked out a bit probably more than I have in a long time. Here I'm an established attorney. And the the biggest issue for me was this, the phone just stopped ringing. The courts were closed. Mm -hmm. Literally, I would get in my bike, you know, cycling clothes and bike 20 miles from my home to the office and sit there and just to kind of have some normalcy. But no one else was around. No one was calling. There's nothing I could do. And really, my main concern was I've got all of these people that I'm responsible for, and am I going to have to lay them off? And so I don't think I've ever had a point where I felt like I couldn't make a living doing what I'm doing. I've got enough experience now. Uh, but in that instance, during COVID, I was very, very concerned for the firm. And that does have a lot of trickle down effect. Um, now, in times past, uh, you know, I will tell you that I have I saved money. I, I, I squirreled away because there I have on a handful of times at least uh, gone into my personal savings or the cash I've got on hand and made payroll that way because not everybody pays you on time. That's one of those things. I, the clients that I deal with are uh, sometimes financially stressed. They are. Uh, they're limited by the courts on access to funds. And, you know, I still have to do what I need to do to advance their interests. So there, there's some times where it's been, uh, you know, a little bit more difficult than others, I will say for sure. And that's one of the common qualities of an entrepreneur 
especially when you have people who are on your payroll, the willingness to take money out of your personal assets and wealth to make sure the business and the people kind of get through the rough times. And sometimes I think that's lost on non-entrepreneurs about the commitment that you all are willing to make to maintain the business, not only for yourself, but for those people that are benefiting from you creating a business. So let's talk about the business of law that you're in. Uh, let, first of all, of all the areas of law that you could practice in, how did you come to choose family law? Well, you know, when I hung my shingle up and I, I still have, I still, I, I made a nice brass plaque that said Paul Nelson, you know, Esquire. Very, very excited about that. And I put the, the, uh, the, the suite number on there and, I, and it still sits in my office. So when I put that up there, I had no idea what type of law I really wanted to do. Uh, probably my best class and best grade I got in law school was in corporate law. And I thought that's what I wanted to do because, but what I ended up doing is taking what came in the door. And I had a little bit of trust work, a little bit of, uh, you know, negotiation for, you know, pre-litigation. And then I got a, uh, I got a fam law case. And so I, I, I took it just like I took everything else. Um, and what I did in the family law case, because I, I didn't know anything more than what I'd learned in community property, is I went and sat in court for almost a week straight. And I sat and listened to the judge, the litigants, the attorneys, so I could get the lingo down. I could find out what the issues were. This wasn't a complex case that I was dealing with, but it was one that I, I wanted to go in there and be as prepared as possible. And when I got out of there, I got a, a favorable result for my client from a judge that I thought was a very tough judge. And I said, you know what? I kind of like this. I kind of like this. And it was, it was really, I could help somebody with an issue. That was a child custody issue. And I felt like I was doing something good. And that's really why I went into laws because, uh, you know, there's, there are so many people that when they need a lawyer, it may be the only time they've ever needed a lawyer in their life. And sometimes it's a family lawyer. That, sometimes I am the only lawyer anyone, someone has ever retained. And they are going through struggling times. And so that started back from way early on in my career. And I decided that's where I wanted to be. So you've been in family law practice for quite some time by your own admission earlier in the interview. So I'm, I'm wondering... Um, we're going to spend a couple minutes here, ladies and gentlemen, talking about this area of law, because fortunately or unfortunately, it could touch a lot of our audience over their lifetime. And we're going to get to the poll question that we had up on LinkedIn in a minute. But I'm wondering, have you seen an evolution in family law in Orange County or a change of, of perceptions or decisions? I mean, how have you uh, how has it changed since you began practicing in this discipline? Well, I think there is a constant evolution in family law. When I when I first started practicing, you know, let's talk about something that, that does hit a lot of people is when you get in a divorce you're, and you've got young children, you're going to have child custody issues. Well, 20, 22 years ago, a father who was working a full-time job, if there was a what I'll call a traditional family where maybe the mother worked or only worked part-time or, or worked at home, uh, you know, there was this term that the attorneys would say, well, you know, dad's going to get the dad pack, which meant every other weekend and a dinner. And um, 
I think we had judges that were on the bench for a long time um, and, and they really didn't realize, I think, the impact of what a father could have on young children, even if he had to work and do that full time. So that's, I think, a big migration and a big change. I've had uh, I've had some judges over the over the last five, 10 years that have resolved these issues by telling the attorneys when they show up and their and their clients. My tentative decision is to equally split the time. Why don't you guys go out in the hallway and talk with talk, come back in, let me know what you want to think uh, or what you want to do. And they resolve that issue. So th that's one big evolution. Um, f financially, there are small evolutions always and changes in the law. Uh, but probably the biggest one I think is in the child custody arena. So, so I said, unfortunately or fortunately, I mean, the, the reality is the reality, right? So we had a poll question that asked the, uh, your audience and my audience on LinkedIn, what percentage of Orange County residents did they think would experience a divorce in their lifetime? And we gave them kind of three buckets of choices. Zero to 25% of the residents would experience a divorce, 26 to 50% or greater than 50% of the people in Orange County would experience um, a divorce in their lifetime, at least one. So the results so far, and it's hit about a thousand people have been participating in this, about 9% said 25% or less. About 35% of the respondents picked the choice of 26% to 50%. And then... 57% selected the choice of greater than 50%. So that the majority of people suggest that it would be greater than half the people in Orange County would experience a divorce. So how relatively correct have the respondents been to our poll? Well, I tell you, they almost got it dead on. Um, you know, the, the recent statistics that I've seen uh, for Orange County are first marriages exceed 50%. And if, uh, if people, the recidivism rate on that, if they get married again, it's even higher. It's, it, it can approach 70%. And so um, those out there who are bucking that trend, I congratulate them. Uh, but it, it, it's, uh, it, it is, it's very high. And that's why people are going to be touching a family law attorney um, more likely than not. I have to believe that in your profession, as in other professional practices, there's a high emotional quotient involved in how you have to deal with um, the prospective clients that you have and then the clients that you re are, that are retaining you. So from a, from a professional perspective, how do you approach that aspect of your profession? You know... It's funny because other attorneys who, you know, I get most of my my clients from referrals from other attorneys and accountants and other advisors. And one thing they always say is, I don't know how you do it. I could never do it. And some of them have dipped into this and done one or two cases and said, I'm out. But I tell you what, it's um, the emotional part of what I feel my job for my clients to do besides getting them the best results they can in financially with child custody with uh you know support if it's a you know if it's out there evaluation of businesses is to bring kind of what i call the tenor of the situation down to decompress everybody because 
there's a judge involved. There's another attorney involved. There's the two litigants. We may have minor children. We may have, we almost always have a forensic accountant. We, we have involved a, uh, uh, many times uh, a therapist or someone who's doing a child custody evaluation, uh, a vocational evaluator. We have all of these people that are involved in these two, these two people's lives. And the stress levels can be beyond what a lot of people can take. And so part of what I do is try to explain, not in legal terms, I try and say here, let's, let's get this down to the, what are the key things that you're concerned about? And let me help assuage your fears because in California, property division is equitable. Most of the judges, uh, you know, they determine the child custody. It's an equitable position. Um, and when we're dealing with the experts on valuing your spouse's business, it's going to be fairly equitable. And so being able to explain the process and what to expect helps bring some comfort and lessens the stress on everybody. That's absolutely my job. So I'm kind of part therapist in some, right. you know, some ways, really. Um, I can see that. One of the things that you mentioned to me, Paul, and we're talking with Paul Nelson, who is the managing partner of Nelson Kirkman, um, is that you actually uh, work hard to craft a narrative, a story uh, about the situation. And I wonder if you're comfortable just maybe sharing a little bit of how, how you see that blending into the practice and the service that you provide for your clients. Yeah. You know, I, uh, I, I know you've written a book, Rick, and uh, you know, and it's, uh, it's on Amazon. And so you understand going through that process. Uh, if you want someone to, to read a book and to be interested, it, it really is telling a story. And Malcolm Gladwell is, is one of probably the best authors I've ever read. And, you know, during COVID, I've read probably every one of his books out there. I can tell you, in the process of writing my book, I am using the same thing that I do when I'm litigating. What And that is exactly what you said. We need to tell a story because eventually we're going to have to get a judge or the opposing attorney or all of the above to understand what the situation is to like my client enough to make a positive ruling. In family law, it's not like uh, a contract or a breach of contract case. A court and the judge has a very wide discretion to make some decisions in a lot of things. And what I start out with clients is, what do you want? Let's build my, I essentially write my closing arguments for trial. That's going to guide me. Here, Your Honor, is what I have just proved at trial. And when I start with the close, start backwards and move forward, I have uh, a real good taste as to what the client wants. I can explain and understand their desires and needs and their goals. And that helps drive, uh, you know, success in the long run. Interesting. So I would, <laughs> I'd love to have more time to talk with you about the intricacies of your business practice because I find it fascinating. But uh, we need to move on a little bit. And I, I guess I'm curious, where are you going as an entrepreneur to get insights and advice from other entrepreneurs' experiences? As an entrepreneur, from a business standpoint, uh, <clears throat> I'm involved in a number of institutions, uh, you know, uh, and um, but one of the main ones is, is Provisors. 
Provisors is a, a nationwide institution. It started actually here in, in Los Angeles. And we have different groups that, that have 40, 30 or 40 uh, attorneys, accountants, business uh, advisors, uh, marketing uh, uh, people. We've got, <clears throat> excuse me, um, authors. I mean, there's really anyone you want to to ask questions as a trusted advisor, they are there and accessible to you. <clears throat> and I meet monthly at least with them uh, in order to ask those entrepreneurial business type questions. That's where I go to and it's just an endless resource for me. And that's different than the legal questions, but I have that available in ProVisors as well. There are multiple family law attorneys in there, multiple civil attorneys. Uh, it is, is really one of my um, best sources for that, along with, you know, um, spending some time with the Veterans Legal Institute, the St. Jude's Hospital, Red Cross, and meeting some of those people who are giving their time. I do find a real benefit to that as well. And I find you give, when you give, you get back way more than you, you give. That is, that is true. And uh, if someone would like to learn more about you or your practice, where would you ask them to go online? Well, LinkedIn, I've got my personal LinkedIn page. We do have a, you know, a, a firm LinkedIn page, Nelson Kirkman as well. And then um, we're just redoing our website, but nelsonkirkman.com. Uh, I am in the process of providing a lot more information that are typical questions that clients ask. And instead of having to call me for that, they can go on my website very soon within the next couple of weeks and be able to answer some of those questions without paying me to answer those questions. So that's at nelsonkirkman.com. I think that's great. I believe in this concept of content marketing, which is basically providing answers to anticipated questions that people have and how valuable that is for them. So I, I really applaud the work you're doing and the relaunch of your website. So thank you for being a friend of the program, giving a bit of your time this morning to share your entrepreneurial journey and story. I've really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you for having me, Rick. I really appreciate it. I'd like to thank our audience for being a part of Orange County's longest running business talk show. This was episode number 1,337. If you'd like to connect with me on LinkedIn, uh, I'm Rick, R-I-C, Franzi, F-R-A-N-Z-I, or my website, which is the same thing, rickfranzi.com. And until the next time we meet, I hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction. Mm -hmm.